0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. The Biden administration has a handful of legislative priorities that they hope Congress will pass within the next few weeks. And one that we want to talk about this week is their $1.9 trillion proposal for another coronavirus relief package. The Biden administration believes that this is needed to help with vaccine distribution, provide direct payments to Americans, and get students in the K through 12 school system back into in-person learning. And so we want to break down this proposal a little bit today and then talk about what the trajectory is for passing uh, this exact bill or something similar through Congress. So David, can you start us off by just explaining why it is the Biden administration put this release out now and what they're hoping uh, from Democrats and Republicans on the Hill in terms of support?
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it is striking how quickly they came out with this. Even before he's inaugurated, uh, he pushes this out very quickly. And just on the heels of, of Congress having passed a $900 billion aid package just a few weeks ago, it just never ends with the need for coronavirus aid. Uh, obviously, the needs are real. The economy is still hurting. And Biden wants to waste little time in getting more aid out before he sees the economy tumble even further, Um, $1.9 trillion is a decision to go big, Jen. I mean, this rivals the package we saw last March, the big CARES Act package from last March. It's the kind of scale of relief that Democrats had had been pleading for for months last year. You might remember when Republicans wanted a small package and Democrats wanted to go much bigger this sort of meets their their desire to see to see a really big package again. The problem is Republicans are already fighting back, uh, and so it, it it's it's looking like it's going to be a big battle. In terms of what's in it, you know, it's one point nine trillion dollars. Most of the money is tied up really in just three things. I mean, it's really just. Over $1.1 trillion of it is just three things. So it's the tax rebate checks of up to $1,400 a person. That's huge money, over $400 billion. It's really costly. And it's starting to get a lot of criticism from people saying, you know, it's not really based on need. It just goes to anyone up to a certain income threshold. And then the second one is aid to state and local governments. That's a key priority of Democrats that was not part of last month's package. That's about $350 billion. And the third one is the unemployment benefits. There is a need to, this would extend through next September, these expanded federal unemployment benefits, which would now be $400 a week instead of $300 a week. Those three items really account for the bulk of the money here. And then, of course, there's a lot of money for for vaccines and testing and getting schools open and, and an expanded child tax credit. Uh, and some transit aid and, and help for child care. But that's where all the money goes.
1: And the Biden administration also included a request to increase the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour in this proposal, that sounds like it's going to be one of the items in this. It's particularly hard to get buy-in from Republicans and maybe even some moderate Democrats. So why exactly did President-elect Biden you know, decide to put this in there? What were his kind of talking points on this? And what are Democrats saying in terms of whether or not they'll include this in a COVID relief bill?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, look, Democrats have been pushing for a long time, saying the minimum wage needs to be raised. That's that's always been a top priority of theirs. And then particularly at a time of you know millions more people in poverty, they want to try to get as many people above the poverty level as they can. And they say raising it to $15 an hour is a way to do that. We should say it. it the minimum wage actually varies greatly by states. And some, you know, I mean, in the District of Columbia, I think there already is a minimum wage of fifteen dollars, but in much of the country, there is not. Um, that's that's long a Democratic priority, and it's one Republicans usually hate because they say it'll mean uh, a loss of jobs, and so I- employers don't like it, and and Republicans hear that, and why it's in this package, boy. To me, that's a good question because because I really think this is sort of a stick in the eye to Republicans because they're not going to like a package that has this in it, and it's going to make the whole package much harder to pass this way.
1: So, do you think that the minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour, um, as well as you're removing the tipped minimum wage, which was part of this proposal, do you think that's something that Democratic leaders may take out of this bill when they eventually put one forward, or do you think they'll leave it in?
0: Well, I mean, if they want to pass it with bipartisan support, which which, they, which the Biden team says is the plan, um, I do think that's going to have to get, out, get separated out of here. I mean, they can say they can come back to it or find some other way to address it. But I mean, I really don't see how, how it can pass in a bipartisan way with that in it. Um, and, and then the other big sticking point for Republicans, of course, would be the, the aid to state and local governments, which they've which they've never liked. They say it's a bailout to poorly run states. Uh, and so that's going to be a problem because that's $350 billion of this package. Those two issues, I think, are, are the main sticking points that I see that that could really cause problems. And and that raises the question of can they really pass this in a bipartisan way? Yes, is a you know, it's a 50 50 Senate. They may not need a lot of Republican support, but if he wants bipartisan help, um, I think they're going to have to do some rewriting here.
1: And of course, when we talk about state and local aid in this next package, that's something that Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell has tied very closely to liability protections, right? He wants retroactive, you know, kind of a lawsuit shield for business owners and universities and other organizations Um, out of some concerns from him and other Republicans that there may be, you know, kind of a slew of lawsuits from employees, um, you know, if their employers didn't provide them with adequate adequate protection from COVID-19. And so do we think that this is something that congressional leaders are going to try to negotiate, you know, in order to get bipartisan support on this package? Or are House Democrats just going to put, this bill on the floor wholesale and, you know, move it over to the Senate and see what happens.
0: I don't think we know the answer to that yet. Um, it's hard to see, it's hard for me to see Democrats lining up now for liability protection. You might remember in last month's package, that's why they had to take out the state and local aid is because they weren't willing to do the liability protection. Republicans were linking the two issues. Um, why now all of a sudden they're going to be willing to do liability protection, it just, I mean, it seems unlikely to me. Um, on the other hand, they are hoping to, to get state and local aid this time. So um, I don't know. I mean, you know, in the Senate with 50-50, all it would take is one reluctant Democrat like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, and it causes a problem for them if they don't have a few Republicans on board. So it makes it kind of dicey.
1: And so if this package can't pass through uh, bipartisan sort of traditional legislative means, we've been hearing a lot from Democrats, including uh, the top Democrat on the budget committee, Senator Bernie Sanders, that he's ready to use reconciliation for a whole host of issues. And so is this something that we could see Democrats, you know, maybe doing parts of this package in a more traditional bipartisan manner and then putting the rest of it through the reconciliation process?
0: Yeah, that's clearly an option. I mean, if they if they don't have enough bipartisan support, obviously they could try to ram much of this through in reconciliation, which avoids the threat of a Senate filibuster and you only need a simple majority vote. Um, the problem with that is, and the one reason I don't think they want to do it that way is because it, it would be a lot more time consuming. This is This is a package Biden wants to just enact as quickly as he can, I think, in coming weeks. And if you want to go the reconciliation route, you're talking about a lengthier ordeal here of having to pass, I can't imagine them with the impeachment trial come up, having to pass a budget resolution that's going to trigger more partisan fights and putting reconciliation instructions in there to get the approval to do it that way. Um, Boy, that would be a a uh, time-consuming, cumbersome process to endure right now with everything else going on. Um, that's why I think reconciliation is kind of unlikely here. I think it's a, a fallback option if, if, if nothing else seems to work and they can't get any kind of bipartisan deal on this. Um, but it's certainly not the preferred course for Biden.
1: And then, of course, there's some other big items taking place in the Senate. And so we don't really know yet when congressional leaders may actually be able to sit down and hash out a bipartisan proposal because Senate Democrats want to stand up Joe Biden's cabinet as quickly as possible, which takes committee time and floor time. Uh, In addition to that, once the House sends over the article of impeachment against President Trump... The Senate has to go into that six day trial, uh, six day a week trial where they must meet at 1 p.m. every day, um, which is, you know, quite a considerable amount of time for senators to just sit in their seats on the Senate floor. And so those are two other, you know, really big issues that are most likely going to come ahead of a COVID relief package, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the Senate in particular really has their hands full. Um, I don't see how they do this in the next couple of weeks impeachment trial will come first, I think, assuming Pelosi sends over the article of impeachment. Um, and confirmations are a huge deal because Biden wants his cabinet in place, at least the, the major cabinet players. Um, those priorities have to come first. So I think this is going to be a while. I think the realistic target for passing this, frankly, would be sometime in March, because I think that's when some of the expanded unemployment benefits that are now in law are set to expire. Um, so I would think a good a good goal would be to get this some sort of package passed by mid-March, um, if not a little sooner. Um, but I, either way, it's going to take a little time. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is CQpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.